Episode 42 of Fitness Behaviour with Bevan James Isles. What picture are you painting? Radio team, welcome along to episode 42 of Fitness Behaviour with Bevan James Owls, your monthly podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of fitness and all the benefits that come alongside it. Welcome along to Christchurch's winter. I don't know where you are in the world right now, but where I am right now, it is bloody freezing. We are heading into our winter months here. We're actually about halfway through our winter months and uh, yeah, I thought I'd just start off a weather update today. This month's show, what am I going to be doing this month's show? I've, I've, I've kind of been writing a few press pieces recently, which have been really, seems to be hitting the note with the audience. And, and uh, as I often talk about on this show, that you know you've done a good piece based on the feedback you get around that piece. And there's been a couple pieces that have really kind of hit the note. And so there's kind of a few thoughts that have been merging together as I've come towards the main content of today's show. And I, and I think in some ways today's show could be quite confrontational in, in a healthy way. And, uh, and so, yeah, so hopefully as we get into the main just of the show, that would be kind of cool. There's two things I want to talk about before we do the main show. And the, the first one is this piece I wrote uh, a couple of weeks ago. And the whole concept of what I called my little letdowns. And if you've written the piece, you'll know, if you've read my piece, you'll know what I'm talking about. Just on that front, if you do want to get my 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 weekly press pieces or my newsletter, you can go to my website, bevanjamesisles.com. And if you go there, you'll notice there's a link that just says uh, sign up for, you know, emails or, or weekly newsletters and just put your information in there and just I don't spam anybody I just every time I release a new piece I just email it to you so if you want that you can do that there so I wrote this piece uh, called the little letdowns and it was a bit of a self-awareness test or, or, or piece where um, I was talking about how um, I'm very fortunate in my life that I have Joe as my partner and there's many reasons why I'm very fortunate to have Joe but one of the one of the great things about having Joe as your partner is she really loves to cook and we've been living together for just over three years now and, and admittedly in that three years we've been together I've probably cooked us dinner maybe oh, I'd be lucky to say 10 times <laughs> it hasn't been a huge amount and um and the good thing is that she enjoys cooking it, and in some ways that's what she likes to do at the end of her day to relax. Now, when she isn't at home, I have cooked a few more meals, but, but you know, let's be honest, I haven't really cooked at all at night time. But since the beginning of this year, Jo has um, been working from home. You know, our business seems to be going really well, so we've been able to employ Jo as a part of the business and she quit her other job. And so my my contribution to the daily food habits of this household is to stop and make lunch so every day at around 12 o'clock I stop um, whatever I'm doing and I'll go into the kitchen and I'll make some lunch I'll, I'll put an audiobook on and I'll, I'll kind of plot around and make lunch and, and we tend to have like a healthy wrap so you know like a wrap with veggies and salad kind of materials in there and a bit of meat and eggs and all that kind of stuff and um, while I'm making my wrap, one thing I discovered recently was the amount of food I ate while I was making my wraps. And when I started to think about it, I realized that I was probably eating another quarter of food on top of what was on my plate when it came to my lunchtime. So when I actually sat down with Joe, so I'll make the lunch and I'll call Joe and we'll come and sit in the lounge and eat lunch together. And when I'm making my lunch, I often... If you were to ask me what I have for lunch, I would tell you the things that I have on my plate. So I would talk to you, you know, I have my wrap, I have an orange, and I'll have a couple of biscuits. So when I think about my lunch, that's what I think about around the volume of food that I'll eat at that time. But in all honesty, when I'm actually eating my lunch, I probably have a third and probably a quarter more food than that because I'm picking the whole time I'm eating my lunch or making the lunch for Joe and I. And I kind of called that term the whole idea of my little letdown, you know, that actually when I think about the volume of food I eat in a day, I don't account for those little bits of picking that I do that can often be quite a lot of food. Now, 
for someone like myself who has don't have to worry about weight at all, um, it's you know like I really don't I, I don't even I haven't jumped on the scales in years, and luckily I, I do enough exercise where I don't have to worry about my weight. But it's definitely a habit that I got into, which I didn't even notice that I was doing. And I often think that we live in this world where there's a lot of diets out there, and there's a lot of you know there's a lot of um, information around diet, and you know diet's such a an interesting area to explore and it's one area I don't tend to explore in, in my work on the show because I think it's there's so many arguments and so different cases but a lot of research has really shown that every diet kind of works if you're willing to stick to it and um, you know and, and the question is how hard is it to stick to it um, but one thing I've discovered you know, or if we go back to these little letdowns is that I imagine for a lot of people if they just stuck to what they thought they kind of did eat in their day that weight probably wouldn't be so much of a problem, that maybe for a lot of people, this concept of little letdowns is one of the biggest reasons they struggle with their weight. So in my example, you know, when I make my lunch, I add a quarter extra food to my lunch while I'm making my lunch. Now, if weight was a concern for me, that would be a real easy area for me to address as I move towards trying to lose some weight. Another thing to think about with this is I was, uh, a girl from the gym who's an instructor at the gym, she goes to me, I was teaching a class every day and she came up to me and she goes, oh, I love that piece. And she says, after I learned about your little letdowns, I noticed she's got a baby. I noticed how often I'm eating food as I'm preparing my baby's foods. And there was another example of little letdowns. And I just think that's a really good thing to become aware of in your life is where are your little letdowns that maybe are costing you in ways that you're not recognizing so if you are struggles with someone you know for a bit of weight is actually the cause of your weight gain your little letdowns okay this this uh, this concept is not you know revolutionary it's not an idea that's you know that new but it's a good idea just to have a scan of your life and to really notice when you are having those little letdowns. Now, you might be nutrition, it might be rest, it might be exercise, it might be um, organization, it might be you know any of these kind of functions that it takes for us to be the best version of ourself. You know, where are the little letdowns that you're letting slip into your life that are ultimately costing you more than you can see that they bring to your life? And that, that awareness is a really great thing to have. And that's where things like food diaries are such a powerful tool for people to use when they are trying to, you know, lose weight. Because they're often, sure, there's different formulas and, you know, we can talk about low-fat, high-low-carb diets and all the rest of it. But if we just even looked at what we're putting in our mouth, when you do a food diary, it becomes pretty clear, pretty obvious where you are maybe consuming more food than you thought you were. So I suppose the first point I just wanted to kind of address in today's show was where do you think you have little letdowns? Little letdowns that maybe you don't even see in your everyday life that actually probably have a cost that you don't like in your life. It can be nutrition, it can be rest, as I was saying before, it can be many different areas. But if you could address those little letdowns and think of strategies to overcome them, do you think you'd be in a place where you're more content with where you are within yourself one thing I've, I've, I've realized in you know this whole little letdown thing is that often by the time I get to make lunch I'm probably verging on getting hungry as I lead into it so you know I, I tend to eat in the morning before I go to gym I'll eat some breakfast when I get home from the gym and then you know it's probably three hours before I eat lunch after that and you know, one thing I've discovered is that what I've done is I've I've given myself a small bit of food to suck on while I'm eating my lunch. So while while I'm sorry, while I'm preparing my lunch. So um, I like I have some cheese in my lunch, and I love cheese. So I just have a really small bit of cheese that while I'm preparing my lunch, I just suck on that, knowing that I'm going to be eating a full meal pretty soon anyway. And that little strategy there has allowed me to address that sense of I'm starting to get hungry, so I won't be picking while I'm making my lunch. But I'm also kind of getting something in me that makes me feel like I'm kind of fulfilling that satisfied, that kind of need that I have at that moment. And I think that type of thinking is, you know, if I know I've got these little letdowns, what are some good strategies I can put in place around that? Now, it may mean that you have, you know, energy deficiency. Maybe you're too leaving it too long between meals, so maybe you need to bring your meal earlier forward. But it's those types of thoughts that we want to think about when we think about the little letdowns is I'd see where they're happening and then develop strategies that can allow you to, you know, get to a better outcome with it. 
So that's kind of my first kind of point that I wanted to talk about in today's show. The second point that I wanted to talk about is is my book. Um, <laughs> the book's coming out. I don't have the exact date, but within the next month, my book will be out. And um, I have to admit, it's a funny time for myself around this book. And and the reason is is that you create a piece of work, and then you work together with the team. I mean, I've worked with my publishers at Craig Potter, and um, and then you put it to the world. And I'm really, really fascinated to see what that means. Um, does that does that lead to like you know? And if it all goes really well, it leads to a place where my thoughts can help more people learn to love exercise. It will create more opportunities for me to have more reach, which can then allow me to help more people move. Um, to, to be honest, that's if I'm going to be really honest about it, that's what the book's about, to be honest. like um, The people who I admire the most are the ones who seem to be able to build an audience and then use that to do powerful things to help people. And um, I, I, I've, I've probably talked about this on the show, but I one thing I discovered very early in my life and the roles that I've been fortunate to be put in is that I get given influence in those roles and um, you know, through working at a gym when you're in front of a lot of people, through um, my running business, through you know Les Mills, who've given me a massive platform to have positive impact on, impact on people, through the podcast, through my writing and all the rest of it, everything allows me this opportunity to try to help people to incorporate exercise and and become better people through exercise in their lives. And the people I look at are the ones who have that kind of way of thinking to, to a much bigger degree than I am. And the example I often think about is the crocodile hunter. And I know that seems like a really, well, maybe if you know me, it probably doesn't seem that kind of bizarre, that you know, the comparison. But um, the crocodile hunter, he was, he was an interesting character. He was um, such a larger-than-life character. And, you know, you, you, you just saw him, and he was just someone who had so much passion for this certain area of life. And, and I'm sure lots of people probably thought he was a bit of a dork, um, and probably thought he was a bit of a, you know, just had, you know, some negative opinions around the guy. But one time I heard an interview with him which really made me admire um, who he was as a person. And in this interview, it was this interview where he wasn't really putting the game face on. You know, he wasn't really trying to, you know, do, you know, he was just maybe kind of giving the behind the scenes look into him real self, his real self. And he was talking about how he understands how the world see him and he understands that the world has this perception of him and see him in a certain light. And I think anybody who's a public figure very much gets put in a box. You know, like if you think of music stars, it's really interesting if you watch music stars as they age, um, that they often have to maintain the look that they had of the time when they're in their peak time because it's hard for us to comprehend them not being the thing that we've put them in our, in that box in. And and Steve Irwin was definitely one of those people who was putting this box around that thing. And I remember I went to a Malula bar, which is um, close to where his zoo is in Australia. I remember there was a store and it was just just selling merchandise like you wouldn't believe. And, and before I'd heard this interview, I kind of thought he was a bit of a sellout, to be honest. I thought he was just in to make the buck. And in this interview, what was really fascinating was he, he kind of admitted that he was a bit of a sellout. He admitted that he was, you know, his objective was to make as much money from this this character, this persona, this thing that he had become in the world. But what was really cool about what he was talking about was that every dollar he made, he put into buying wildlife land for animals. And at that moment, I just had such admiration for this person. Here was this person who was an entertainer, basically, an entertainer who obviously tried to educate as well, who found a way to make, you know, become a household name, and then used that to generate income to put back into the area that he really cared about. And and for me, that's the kind of person who, you know, is, is you know, I often talk to my mate on the other podcast and say we're Z-grade celebrities, and, and, you know, in this very small world of mine, you know, I'm kind of known. And for me, I've always wanted to think that, Whatever my work is, it's helping people develop. And uh, and I also, the other person who probably you guys all know of is Jamie Oliver. Jamie Oliver, again, makes a lot of money, and, and I'm sure he's a pretty big household name. Well, he is a worldwide household name. 
But with his influence, he's chosen to try to educate people on some of the biggest problems we have around food in the world right now. Now, he could go on and not worry about educating people on that stuff and he'd be hugely successful, but he understands he has influence and he wants to use it in a really powerful way. So the objective of my book was it's kind of always that, that hopefully if the book is a successful tool in helping people develop themselves, then my reach can become a bigger thing and then I can help more people learn to love exercise. And so, you know, you know, when it came to writing the book, like to be honest, I would have been probably made more money if I went down the self-published route. Nowadays, it's pretty easy to self-publish. And, um, you know, I probably, if it was about me making money, I would have gone down that route. But, you know, I, I felt a publisher would be able to help me get more reach, which could then potentially help me help more people. And it's just, you know, I'm not really sure why I'm sharing this with you right now, but I just think that ultimately it's a really nice thing in life to think about the influence you are on others and then think about how you can enhance what you think is important to the world when you get to expand that influence. And ultimately that's what the book's about. I will just say a couple quick things on the book. It will be out in the next month and uh, admittedly a lot of the topics have been covered on this show. You know, I'm not going to lie to you guys. It's definitely a lot of, the, you know, I kind of wrote the book based on the show. So it was um, important. But, you know, if you want to grab the book, I really encourage you to do that. But the other thing is as well is I'm going to be doing a lot of promotion around the book. So if you are a podcast podcaster or someone in the media uh, who just wants to get an interview with me about the book or about anything in general, feel free to get in contact with me. At, um, go to my website, bevanjamesisles.com and um, I've been trying to push the book like crazy, so it's all good in the hood. Anyway, I'm going to get into this month's show. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one. I kind of, each as I work through the month, what I tend to do is I, I think about ideas and I tend to just write them down on my to-do list. And, and this month I've written down three ideas and, and as I sat down to do the show, I kind of thought to myself, actually, these three ideas all sit around each other and so maybe I could make this the show so uh, my three ideas merging into one to to create a show that hopefully you know takes you to the next level so let's put some music on and let's get rocking and rolling as you probably know from listening to this show I I do some mentoring with people and, and uh, you know, I often, occasionally I'll chuck on here that I've got a free spot and uh, I, I kind of limit my mentoring to around 10 people, you know, at a time because it's something that I like to do a little bit of in life but not too much of but, you know, it's something that I find really, really rewarding in my life. Um, I'm very fortunate I get to do a lot of things which are about helping people and my one-on-one clients who I get to do my mentoring with uh probably deliver some of the most satisfying feelings I get from any of the work that I do. And one of the reasons that is, is because you see people progress quite a lot. I often think to myself that one of the biggest tools people could have in their life is is awareness tools that make you stop, think, and try to progress in your day-to-day life in, you know, in, in ways that are important to you. And being a mentor the people who I work with kind of have that in place in their life with these catch-ups that they have with me around certain time periods that we work together. And um, and I'm very fortunate because, you know, all my clients seem to have really cool progress. So I, I get a lot of, I get a lot back from the work I do with them. One such client was a lady I met um, who contacted me maybe about six months ago and wanted to start doing some work with me, and, and I, I said, yep, cool. Uh, there was a time slot available, so that was kind of cool, and it all worked out. And um, we started working together, and it was an interesting to watch her progress at first. Now, before I even start talking about where we started and, and where we got to and where we're going to with, with the work that she's doing, I must say this lady has progressed in massive, massive ways, like life-changing shifts in attitude, shifts in perspective, and shifts in the way she looks after herself mentally in the world, and physically as well. And when we first started working together, this lady's, I'm not exactly sure how old she is, probably somewhere in her 50s, I'm not quite sure, Um, but, you know, a little bit older in age, not that her 50s that old, but, you know, a little bit older in age. And when we first started 
working together, she had recently become single. Now, it was really interesting doing my first few sessions with this lady because it became very clear very quickly that she had this perspective in life that if you're a female in your you know, mid to later part of your life, that if you don't have a partner, then you are unsuccessful. That if you're, you know, again, if you're in your, I don't know, maybe your 50s or, or late 40s or something like that, that you are unsuccessful. That really, unless she had a partner, that she was, I don't know if she ever used the word failure, but, you know, to put it in some term is that she was failing in life. And what was really interesting is this was a thought that had been ingrained in her for such a long period of time. And the influence this this kind of mindset had on her life was, was massive. And massive in a way that was quite restrictive, that was um, a little bit harmful to herself, you know, a little bit um, harmful as in it, it didn't create good feelings within herself and, and obviously had you know, lots of limiting behaviours that followed that mindset. And uh, so it became pretty clear pretty quickly that there needed to be work to be done around her developing herself away from that mindset and, and, you know, learning that her life can be great on a totally different path. And I must say, as I was saying earlier, the work she has done in, in a very short period of time have, has been just like I'm so proud of, to see her progress she's done so so great one thing that became really interesting as we first started working together was to see how this certain mindset had influenced the decisions that she makes in her life had influenced how she could see what she could be in her life and really my role within developing this lady was to make her realize that there are ways to work through that and for her to you know do the work you know and, and kind of find that path for her to do that and there was many many kind of negative effects of this mindset on her life but one of the one of the interesting things is we worked on because what you tend to do with people like this is you, you try to find areas to work on and then you work on it for a period of time and then they'll they'll develop in that area and then they kind of get comfortable so then you kind of search for the next area which is going to have and impact and move them away from, you know, where they want to go move away from and where they want to be, or move them towards where they want to be. And so after a period of time, we'd already done some work and we were finding some really healthy behaviours coming through that were, were creating shifts in her perspective and herself and, and, and all those other things. And after a period of time, we started to think about the way she had represented herself to her world and how she had trained her world to see her in a certain light. Let me let me share some an example of what I mean here. So one of the things that she struggled with was socially being recognized as the person who didn't have a partner. And she would often talk about how the world is set up for couples. And, and I kind of got what she was saying that you know when you get to your mid middle age that most people, you know, a lot of people are set up in their long-term relationships. And so, you know, most of your world is set up for couple things. You know, you, you know, you might have dinners out and it'll be all the couples go out for dinner and, and so on. So there were these representations of, you know, the area she felt vulnerable in of why she was failing. So everyone might go out for dinner and she'd be the only single person there. And so in some ways she would restrict herself from those things because the whole time she was at that place or doing those things, she was reinforcing of why she felt she was unsuccessful in life. And what was interesting as we started to, to you know, work on her and, and put some things in place was she started to shift away from some of those those mindset things. And I was really curious to see the kind of conversations that she was having with the people in her life. And one thing that we discovered very quickly was that the go-to subject that people had with her was how tough it must be to be a single person of her age and how is she going in trying to find a man. I'm going to say that again because it's really important. The go-to conversation 
that the people in her life were having with her was how hard it is to be single at her age and how is she going and trying to fulfill that that thing that she feels is really tough. Now the interesting thing about what we discovered with her was it's almost like she had trained her world to teach her to teach them that that's where they, they want to go when they have a conversation with her. It's really fascinating. When you think about think about yourself right now, think about the people that you come in contact with in your life. Think about, you know, your friends, your family, your work colleagues. What are the go-to subjects they have around you? What are the questions they know are, the, you know, the place to go when they have a conversation with you? For my example, when I was doing Ironman, you know, the, the, the question I always got was, how's your training going? That was always my number one question. People would come up to me, they'd think, Bevan, oh, he loves Ironman, he loves training. I'll ask him about this. Now, it came from caring, it came from interest, and, and they were interested in me, but that they, they was the box that they put their conversation around me in. And when we think about most people, you know, think about yourself, think about how people, what box people put you in, but also think about what boxes you put other people in. So think about, you know, what are your work colleagues? When you think about this person, what's the go-to subject you go to with this person? When you think about your partner, what's a go-to subject? When you think about someone in your, your, I don't know, your sports team, someone at a hobby you have, start to recognize the box that you see people put you in and you put them in. As, as I started going, working with my client again, going back to my client, we, we really explored that question. What, are, what is the box that your world sees you in? And when we explored that question, it became very clear that her world saw her as the thing that she was trying to move away from. And in some ways, she had actually been the person who had trained her world to make that the go-to subject or the box that they put her in when it came time to have a conversation. Oh, here's this person, here's what I'm going to talk about. Oh, it must be tough being single right now. Or, where do you find a new man in these situations? Or, you know, what are you doing right now to find a man? Or, how hard is it being single at this time? Or, to reinforce why things are great for me, because I'm not in your situation, which is probably the worst place to have to be for someone in that situation. If I go back a step, and I actually go back to what's the box that your world puts you in, and, you know, um, and, and also how do you see the people in your world and the box that you put them in around the conversations, how much do you influence the way that people put you in a certain box? And that's what was really interesting about this client of mine was that ultimately she had created a world that, that made her focus on the thing that she was struggling with within herself in the biggest way possible. One thing that was really interesting was the um sorry about my squeaky chew here um, <laughs> not sure if you can hear that or not but one thing that was really interesting the day the, the session that we I brought this up to her you know we we'd done some really good work around shifting perspective and all the rest of it and um you know there was some real clear objectives around where we were trying to go with you know this stuff and the day I brought up the whole idea around are you almost influencing the way your world will see you you know this whole concept we're talking about right now um you know the box that we that we get put in are you the person who's actually creating the world which makes your world keep you focusing on the thing you want to move away from and it was really interesting as I talked to her about this and we had this conversation around this to see in her eyes you know it's really interesting when you you know when you talk to somebody and you're having a conversation and you can see within themselves something's hit with them. You know, something's hit with them. You might be having a deep conversation with a friend and, uh, you know, you just you hit a note. And once you hit that note, it's almost like you lose them in the conversation. Like they're there, but they're not there. And you can see their eyes almost drift away in a way that tells you that they're going into a deeper level of thought around something you've just talked about. And in this moment, as I brought up the idea of maybe in some ways she's 
created a world where that's what they were, everyone around her focuses on, she went to that place. It was it was really fascinating to see. And within her, I don't, obviously I'm not this person, but within her I imagine she, she almost had one of those epiphany moments where suddenly you see all the times where you're doing something that you'd never realized you had done before. And you know how that happens sometimes where um, you may get a deeper understanding of something or a deeper knowledge and you may have never realized you did this before, but then in that moment, suddenly you have this, this, this a light goes off and you can see all the times in your past where you've done this thing. Well, in this moment, that was what I saw in the face of my client, was that you could see she could she saw how she was often the person or she had created the self in her life. From that moment, it became really clear this was an area that we needed to, to kind of put some work in, that we needed for her to train her world to see her differently, for her to influence her world to see her in a different box. And it was a really fascinating thing. So we kind of, we went and we talked about what's happening and we kind of got into depth of the conversations that she has and, you know, what are the leaders and, and also what do the people she has communication with, what do they come to the conversation with that lead her towards that place? And it was really interesting. So we kind of, we kind of established, you know, okay, well, let's create awareness around when this is happening and, and let's put some kind of, some planning in place around ways we can shift at that time and so away she went and uh, she gave me an email I, often, often my clients will email me during the week letting me know how they're going and uh, she gave me some emails with some really good insight around how this was happening and I recall the next week how she talked to me about a conversation she had with somebody I'm not sure where but maybe at a party or, or at work or something and how this person had instantly, and this is a person who knew her well, knew her situation well, had instantly started the conversation going to the box that that she'd been put in, that she had almost created herself. And instantly she saw that this person had done this. So this person started the conversation and, and said, I don't know exactly what they said, but they obviously said a question that was leading down where they think the conversation of this person should go. Now, what my client was able to do, because we've been doing work around this, was was able to see this moment and was able to see that if she goes down this path, it's going to take her towards a place that she knows not is not healthy for her. And so in that moment with that great awareness, she was actually able to influence the conversation in a way that shifted it away from the area she didn't want to go towards to an area that was much more about things that are more empowering and better for her in her life. So in that moment when someone brought up that thing, what she did is she just dismissed it and made it like it was nothing much at all and then shifted the conversation towards another area. Then the conversation went on another path. Now if we stop and think about the two different paths that conversation could have gone down, and we know the history of this client and you know the, the danger of that thinking around the needing of a man. And we think about that, and then we think about the path she took by being aware, by stopping the conversation and, and removing the subject to a different area, and going down a path where it was completely different. We can see how massively those different paths would influence her. Like if she keep going down that path that she always goes down, it would just go back to all those reinforcing thoughts that she had had in an area where she, you know, was really quite harmful for her life. Instead, because of some great awareness, a shift of conversation and a shift in direction, she went in a place where she wasn't even going close to the area she that was not that healthy for her. What's really interesting as well is ultimately that person who she had the conversation with the next time they come back to have a conversation with her, they probably wouldn't think about that being the box that they would go to. They probably wouldn't think about going and talking about, oh, it must be tough being single. You know, they probably would think, oh, she not really talks about that, so let's go into another area and put me in another box. I hope you kind of understand where I'm going with this. It's really important to understand 
the way that we influence the way the world our sees our world sees us. And often we can be the person who makes ourselves or represents ourselves in a way that's actually harmful to ourselves in the way we do this to our world. And so that when our world comes to you know connect with us, they actually take us to a place that we don't like within ourselves. Think about yourself. Think about that area within yourself that you know that you may want to develop yourself in. You may want to, um, that, well, maybe not develop yourself, well, no, probably do want to develop yourself in, but that deep down you know holds you back. And it's, you know, within your own thoughts is an area that is quite consuming and quite restrictive. And if you have this area, do you think you've created a world around you that has seen this thing? Oh, I don't know if I've seen this thing, but it's that you've created that that's the go-to way the world sees you. And in a way that when they communicate with you, it just takes you to the part of yourself where you really struggle. That in some ways, you've been a part of creating a world for yourself that keeps it easy for you to stay in the place that you don't like about yourself. Now this is a really hard thing to confront. I remember, I'm not sure if this analogy will really sit well with this, but I remember, um, like it's really interesting to think about your the way you, you represent yourself to others in the world. And it's really interesting, like one of the a really cool thing to do, which is kind of impossible because the awareness of doing it kind of ruins it, but it's to sometimes just record a conversation with yourself with, you know, talking about everyday things and then to go back and listen and, and listen to how you talk about yourself. And it's amazing how revealing that experience can be. And I remember a friend of mine was a manager once and she was telling me about how she had this staff member who was just a bit hopeless, just a bit incompetent, kind of stuff everything up and always make mistakes, and it was a bit all over the place. And how this person would was kind of not proud, but would would let people know that she was that person, that I'm the person who's gonna, oh, you know, don't trust me with this thing because I'm gonna stuff this up, or you know, oh, I don't know if I'll be good enough to do this thing. You know, there's all this kind of communication outwardly coming from this person that reinforces that she was a bit hopeless. And my manager, one, my friend who was the manager, one day pulled this person into the office and said, um, do, you want to be, do you want to be hopeless in life? Do, do you really want to be someone who's, who's hopeless and is always perceived as a bit of a failure? Because that's what you're showing us here through your actions, but also through the way you represent yourself to your peers. And it was a really hard conversation for a manager to pull off with the person. But luckily my friend who was the manager came from a place of caring and um, wanted to support this person to move forward from this place. What was really interesting talking to my friend who was the manager after the fact was this person became the number one person in their team. They became hugely competent and hugely successful because my manager, the manager that they worked under was willing to have this conversation. And obviously there was something about that conversation that made that person see themselves in a light that was seeing the way that they were restricting themselves. And then also allowing their world to see them in a way that made them see them as a failure or a bit hopeless. So now I just think about myself as I do this. Like I'm, I'm kind of the opposite. I'm, I'm kind of do a lot of work. I don't know if I do a lot of work, but I definitely, I definitely try to make sure that my my world sees me in a competent light. I definitely do. I work really hard to make sure that, you know, just things like personal credibility. If I say I'm going to get a job done, I get a job done. I got, a, I got. A, I'm not sure if I talked about this on the podcast, but I got a, a lovely email from my my editor at the newspaper a couple of weeks ago. It was, it was such a generous email, and he just he just said, the thing that's really nice working with you, Bevan, is that you always deliver what you say you're going to deliver. And, that, and that's something I kind of hold high, you know, I understand 
there's pride in me doing my work, but I also understand that by me saying I'm the guy who's delivering and delivering, that that's how my world's going to see me. And I understand that if my world sees me as someone who delivers, then I'm going to get more opportunity in the areas that I think are important. And so for me, you know, it is that whole, I do try to manage my the perception of me and my world in a way that's true to me, but also that has value for my ongoing opportunities in the future. So let's, let's think about you right now. What is that area for you? What is that thing about yourself where you represent yourself in a way that's probably holding you back? Like if we go back to the worker, oh, you know, I always make mistakes, maybe you should get someone else to do that. You know, start to start to become aware of what that is. And if there's, if we're going to stick a process to this, and I know this show's about, you know, it's called fitness, what, what it's called, fitness behavior? <laughs> I should know that. Um, I know this show's about fitness behavior, so maybe think about nutrition, maybe think about, you know, what are the words that you tell to people around the way you eat if you struggle with food? What are the words, what are the way you represent yourself around exercise? Like a lot of people go to a lot of lot of le- big hard links to tell the world that they hate exercise. You know that I it's never an option for me. So then, when you get a group of friends, you might have five or six friends who want to do a fitness goal, but you've programmed your world to to see you as someone who'd never do that. They're not going to come to you, and that could have been an opportunity for you to explore exercise in a really powerful way. So, I suppose the first step is is start to become aware of the areas where you feel hold you back in your life. For my client earlier on, it was, you know, they felt, she felt she needed a man to be successful in life. And due to that that mindset, there was a lot of restriction around the progress she could make. We worked together to really help her shift that perspective. And again, she's done bloody amazing. But one part of her doing that was to realize how her world had put her in this box. So I think the first thing for you to think about is if you are someone who this is really hitting a note with, and particularly around exercise and nutrition and things like that, is start to become aware of how you represent yourself to your world. What kind of box are you creating for them to see you in? Once you become aware of it, really start to notice the language you use. Really start to notice those moments when you're having conversations with others, really start to see those things in place. Then from there, you want to, once you've created those awareness points, then what you want to do is you want to have ways to shift the conversation. Ways that um, allow you, you know, if, if, if you're coming to me in my area of insecurity and it's just going to bring up stuff that I struggle with, how do I shift the conversation away from that? And then what kind of box do I want my will to see me in? What kind of box do I want my will to see me in? Now, I think there's a few important things, because this is kind of going to another layer here, and I think there's some important things we need to address. So first, I think the first thing is, is that we don't want to lie about what we are. So while we may be trying to move away from something and there may be some level of communication around support towards development, towards shifting, as we're trying to change the box, it's not like I'm trying to create a lie around what I am. So at the same time, it's really important that you're honest around your struggles. But at the same time, how do you shift your world from people always just going to that being your your start point? I suppose what I'm trying to say here is that a part of this isn't just about going, oh, I need to shift the perception of the world around me. I still need to work on the big thing. So while my client was moving away from this this mindset that was restrictive, she there was a lot of work involved around her doing that. But at the same time, a part of that was shifting the box. But as you do that, it is that whole idea of how do I shift my world's go-to conversation being around something that holds me in a place that I struggle with. And as you're doing that, it is a good idea of, of to really think about how do I want my world to see me in a way that is realistic and true to me. I remember years ago I was at a party with a friend of mine and we were at a party with a group of friends. I may have talked about this on the show in the past to be honest, but um, when you've been doing this for so long you sometimes wonder if there's crossover of stories. But And we went to a party with people who are a lot wealthier than us to be honest and uh, and um, 
And it was really interesting to watch my friend try to represent himself around people who are wealthier than us and represent himself in a way that made it look like he was a lot wealthier than what he was. And as he was sitting there, um, you know, representing himself to these people, I knew, I, I basically knew he was kind of being dishonest because I knew my mate, you know, like he knew me and I knew him and, and he was, he was, I think he was just trying to fit in, which makes sense, we do this. But it was really interesting how he painted a picture of himself that actually wasn't true. Now, we could probably all understand why he would do that and we've probably all been guilty of something like that in our time. But as you think about creating the, the box that I do want my world to see me in, if you end up doing that, it creates different problems and bigger problems and problems that just aren't worth, you know, that, that you know could cost you more in the long term. Like let's say this friend of mine had represented himself in a way that was really dishonest and then ended up seeing these people a lot more and then he's already built this relationship around this kind of dishonesty. What is going to be the effect of that? So as you think about, you know, how do I influence my world and see me in a way that's not restrictive towards me, it's really important you still stay true to what you are. So you know, my friend's situation, he was better off just to kind of show the good sides of himself and not try to be, you know, what the people around him were in an area that he felt vulnerable in. And that personal credibility thing's really important. So if it is a weight thing for you, um, and, you know, you find you want to shift people's, you know, talking about the struggle of weight around you, but you might want to shift them towards the a positive way of looking at, you know, oh, well, this is the thing I'm working towards. So I'm working towards... Um, introducing exercise into my life and I would talk about that experience in a really honest way so I talk about how you know it's a real struggle but I'm finding this this and that and I'm finding these things are effective and so then you'll find when these people come back to the conversation with you they'll see you as someone who's trying to get better at exercise and they may explore that in a way that's empowering to you I hope this is all making sense sometimes I do these shows and I wonder if I'm if I'm putting it together in a good way ultimately guys We do have an influence on the way the world sees us. We have a big influence on the way the world, our world perceives us. And we all have our own struggles. Everybody has struggles. And one thing that's really important in life is to devote the time to overcoming your struggles. And again, my client who I talked about a lot in today's show, the work that she has done has been phenomenal. And the progress we have seen within her in a very short period of time has been like it's mind-blowing and it's the reason is is because she's willing to really address the big problems and she's willing to do the work and she goes away and she does the work and she sees the progress that's an important part of us moving forward but at the same time or as a part of that is to start to understand how you've allowed your will to see you and then if you know you have those areas where you're struggling you need to develop yourself in then start to see how your communication with others has held you back. Once you've done that, then start to shift that conversation in an area that is true to who you really are and true to where you're trying to go towards, but maybe puts the slant of the world seeing on you in an encouraging, positive, supportive way. I think it's kind of big stuff. And I think that if you do address this stuff and really work hard at getting better at it, you ultimately will become that better version of yourself. Right, guys, that's uh, pretty much this month's show. Hopefully there's some uh, some good insight in there for you. Um, it's, a, it's a really interesting subject. I do find this really fascinating and as you as you as I did talk about in this show is I also think one side of this is is managing perceptions of you in uh in really positive ways you know how do you influence your world in a way to see you in a really great light like I was saying that that builds towards opportunity that um you know all those types of things and again I think it's really important that it's not about creating lies that we're trying to fake it's actually just about being more true to ourselves and, and knowing where our strengths are and representing our strengths in, in true ways, but also to reveal our weaknesses, but look for our will to be a supportive part of that. 
Um, what am I going to do here? I'm going to pull up a couple emails. Let me pull up an email. I'll pause. I'll be back in a second. I've got an email here, which is which is an interesting one. They asked not to, to say the name, so I'll just kind of keep it to myself. But basically, this person was... Um, they were, they were doing a race, and this is a race that was really important to them. They put a lot of time and energy into it. They, it was, they'd overcome, you know, a lot of kind of insecurity around getting to this race. Um, this wasn't a, a regular athlete, and um, you know, this is someone who was literally just starting to get into exercise and decided to do kind of ambitious race training really hard, and they didn't finish the race. And um, and I just basically saying how. This has been a, a horrible experience for them because they put so much weight on them finishing this race. And they're just basically asking what my thoughts are on how to deal with this this thing, this the way they're feeling and and how this experience has reinforced a lot of the negative stuff they have about themselves and how ultimately that kind of makes them want to stay away from this journey that hit to this point of exercise how do, I suppose ultimately is, is how do you deal with huge disappointment and this is a really tough question I remember a while ago when my running group we had a you know when like I've got a you guys have heard me talk about it but I've got a zero to five a ten and a half and and often in a period of time you'll get a group of people who start the 5k group and then they'll do 10 and then they do half and there's this kind of community of people who start this journey together and within you know probably in a year they're doing half marathons and I remember one time we had this lady who um you know went through the whole journey of all her friends and with someone who hadn't come from exercise you've got to remember these zero to five people are pretty vulnerable when they start and so it's quite a liberating experience as they progress through our products and uh and she did you know she went to do a half marathon this weekend and uh and unfortunately i can't recall exactly what happened but um she couldn't finish. Uh, she may have fallen. She may have got injured. I'm not quite sure. But she couldn't finish. And uh, and I remember we had a post-run seminar the next Tuesday. So you do the race and we have a, like a reflection kind of seminar. And um, she came in and you could tell she was pretty despondent. And, uh, you know, we're, it's a very much a sharing experience. Everyone's kind of telling their experiences and stuff. And, and to be honest, it's a pretty positive environment. So if you're the person who hasn't finished, it's... It was a pretty hard place to be, but at the same time, there was a lot of love and support for everyone in the room. So we knew she'd probably be a bit, you know, a bit vulnerable. And she she started telling us how she went into work on the Monday morning and everyone had almost like prepared to give her a big cheer that she had done this race and she hadn't finished. And um, it was a really horrible thing to have to go through. And it was one of those times that was really interesting in life because while there was a lot of love and support in the room for this person, most people's advice wasn't really advice. Most people, what they did is they just wanted to share that they've been through hard times as well and that she'll be okay. And so, you know, so first of all, she broke down and um, and everyone wanted to share it. That, you know, first of all, everyone just cared because that's what we do. When someone gets emotional, what do you do? You tend to want to care and love on this person. So first of all, everyone kind of just kind of cared on her and, and then people started offering advice. But the advice was really, I once had a hard time in my life and I stuck at it and I got through. And while that was, you could see it was coming from the right place, it wasn't really helping this person. You know, she hadn't got through, she'd failed. And in that moment... I'm not sure just saying, hey, chin up, you can do it, is the best approach to dealing with this this kind of highly emotional place, which reinforces a lot of negativity in the self. And um, I managed to catch up with her afterwards because I didn't feel she probably got the right advice for around that. And, and, I, and I think there's probably a few things that we need to really think about when it comes to dealing with failure. Because if you are going to put yourself forward in life, you are going to experience some level of failure. And there is some truth to, you know what, keep working at it and you'll and you'll get there. You know, that, that that's right. But when you're in that moment of feeling like a failure, it's, you know, you don't see that. So I think there's a few things that we want to, if you are experiencing high, high level of failure, which is bringing up a lot of negative self-esteem in a way that could be quite restrictive. I think the first thing is, is you've got to find healthy ways to deal with the emotion of the moment. 
So I think you've got to find healthy outlets around dealing with the emotion. So it might be that really good friend who you know is just a great listener. Who's not that, you know, sometimes you've got a friend who you love being around, but they're not a really good listener and they just give you advice the whole time. And then you have that person who, when you spend time with them, they just allow you, you just, you get your thoughts out and you get your thoughts out in a way that's quite healthy. And I think at a time of failure is to find that friend and let them know you just want to have a talk and that you're going to be pretty emotional and, and you just need to let some stuff out. There's something about good conversation with the right person that is a really powerful way for people to deal with emotion. And when you feel like a failure, that, that can be a really great tool to put in place. Then think about other ways I've dealt with emotion in the past. So if you've failed at things in the past, what, what got you through that? You might find, like for me, writing. I like to write. I've got a journal and I'll, I'll sit down and I'll just kind of write and nut it out. Actually, I remember years ago, I didn't finish a race and I failed as well. And I remember I was destroyed. It was kind of one of my first endurance events and I was just so gutted. And I and I got my journal out and I just spent time writing and I've still got that page in my journal right now and the, and the first word is half a page just says disappointment, you know and 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 to think about those things in yourself is is what are my ways to deal with emotion in a really healthy way, and I think that 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 step of dealing with the emotions is a really important part because the faster you deal with the emotion, the more you can get to a place where you can actually look at a plan to help you progress in in a rational way through it. But when we're in that emotional place, we don't have the tools to be able to deal with the ration of it in a a rational way. And so the first thing I I really believe is find healthy outlets for dealing with the emotion that you're experiencing. That can be the good friend, that can be the journaling, you know, the things you know for yourself. Also at that time, is be really conscious of being aware of self-destructive behaviours that you could do that could take you to a worse place. So let's say you fail everything, or bugger it, I'm going to go down to the pub and get on get on the piss, or I'll bugger this, I'm just going to eat like crap for the next few days. You know, so you want to also be aware of the self-destructive side of the emotion. Once you once you process the emotion, you you tend to find that the rational mind will find solutions around getting you back towards it. So you might want to have to to set a new goal but set it at a lower level just so you get back on the horse and feel some level of success. I think that's really important actually is the first thing after that failure moment is you want to set up some success which means it probably won't be of the level that you were doing at the failure moment but you just need to have a win and I think as you get to the rational places to really think about okay well how can I have a win right now so let's say you failed a half marathon you know what I'm going to enter a 10k race and I'm just going to have some fun doing it and that can be a win for me. And as you get to that rational place, that would be how you'd get to your win. The win and, and, and all that positive emotional stuff around that. Then from there, you, you know, you do maybe look at, do I want to experience this race again? And is it important that I, do I complete this? And, and it may be, it probably will be. And then you may need to, you know, get support around you, get a great coach, get the right people around you and then devise a plan in a really realistic way that can help you achieve that. If you are going to move towards that again, you have to also be aware of the the thoughts that you'll go into it with that you'll have to overcome due to your fa- failing last time. Because that failing can leave an imprint that you take with you to your next time. So hopefully, hopefully that stuff there gives some insight into how to deal with failure. I'm sure there's lots more I could talk around in this stuff, but I think there's some really good, really some stuff you can take from that. And, and that, that is, first of all, deal with emotion, find my healthier outlets, also be aware of my self-destructive outlets, move away from those, move towards my healthy. Once I get to my rational place, then I want to find my wins again. I really just want to find wins. And I don't make them too hard. you just got to have wins. Then once I've had a few wins, and I may look at trying to succeed at that goal again, then think of all turning over every rock that... Probably the thing is to to assess where it went wrong last time and then to really think about how I can become more prepared and do a better job leading into the next one. To also be aware of the imprint that the last experience can have on my new experience. So to work towards changing the behaviours around that. I hope that helps because it's never nice to go through failure and, and it's, you know, it's it's a really tough thing. And, and you know what, unfortunately, well, no, and if you can do it in the right way, it you know it does end up being a, probably a quite a positive thing in your life. So hopefully it helps.
Anyway, guys, that's uh, pretty much this month's show. I, I will just say again, my book is meant to be coming out literally in weeks. And I think my next show, I may even do kind of my book-focused one. Um, I really appreciate you guys just spreading the word about my book. It's um, It's been a bit of a labor of love. And uh, as it's getting close to the finish, I kind of, I think I'm pretty happy with it too. I'm kind of proud of what it's turning into. So hopefully it's something that can add value to those people who read it. Um, again, if you are someone who's got a podcast and you're looking to get some content and you want to interview me, um, or you've got any media outlets who maybe want to do some interviews or anything like that, I'm totally up for it. You know, this kind of promotion is a part of the game when you want to do books. So I'm totally up to it. And as you guys know, I can talk. So <laughs> you guys have a wonderful month. I'll see you. I may even do the next show a little bit shorter because I'll probably try to bring it around the time of book release. So have a wonderful month. Um, I'll be seeing you guys real soon. And, uh, Just keep being you guys. Love your work. See you guys soon.